KLM lost my luggage a week ago. I went for a little break, got some time away, and I went to Ibiza. It was lovely. And I went away for four days, it was great. And then on the way back, I was to come back to London because I had to do some work with Richard Willett of Brick and the Wall Media for a project that I'll get into in a little bit. And uh, KLM lost my luggage. That was a week ago. They lost me luggage a week ago. They put my laptop in the luggage. So I've not had a laptop. I was supposed to do a video about this and I haven't done it. So I was getting on my nerves and I thought, so I'll wait until Monday because they're going to deliver it on Monday. And then I got a bit uh, sort of like impatient. And I went out and bought myself an iPad. So I'm doing this off an iPad. I'm talking into a dinner tray. It's great. So the Sam Batman seminar, I went to um, Berbeck, Berbeck University on Friday to have a word with the nice booking people there and to check the room out. We are going to record it. Richard Willett of Brick in the Wall Media will be there to record it. So if you go to the seminar or if you um, purchase access to the live streaming of the seminar, you'll get that recording within inside of 72 hours, let's say. Richard works very fast. It's me that's always the delay. I'm not even going to lie. It's me. If there's a delay, it's me. Um, and when I spoke to the university and asked them about stream, if we could stream live there, they said that they would do it for us, which is really kind. And they're actually not going to charge us for it either, which is really, really cool. So I'm getting confirmation of that this week. So if you uh, get a ticket for the Sam Batman seminar, um, that would entitle you to um, come to the live um, or to have it streamed and you can watch it at home and everybody who buys a ticket gets uh, automatically gets access to the recording afterwards as well. So that's the first thing. When when Burbeck records, they have this, we're, we're doing it in one of the new lecture halls, which is all new and fancy and modern, really nice. And it has its own cameras in there and it has its own AV system. And they, they regularly do this for students who can't attend live. I don't know what quality it will be, but look, if you can, if it's good enough to ingest an academic lecture, it's got to be good enough for what we're doing. Um, the sound is going to be the most important thing. I asked him about the Wi-Fi signal and streaming and he said he didn't think it's never been a problem. So there's that. In other news, if you do come live to the seminar, um, the Spartan Loaf co life, life Coach's Spartan Loaf, that's not a thing. Let's not make that a thing, the Spartan Loaf. The Spartan Loaf Couch, um, or as Sam called me recently, the Sport Tanned. Hey, there's a play on words for you, Sport Tanned Life Couch. Um, uh, Terry and Steve are going to be there as well, which is going to be really, really cool. Um, it's always good having, having Terry and Steve around. They're always a good laugh. And that means if you come along, you'll have a chance to chat to them. I think they're going to help me to sign people in and get people sat down and stuff. But I, I you know, we might have it, the the lecture hall can take like a hundred people. We might get like fifty or sixty people to come along. I don't think we have a massive uh, crowd, so it would be fairly easy. You can have a chat with them and that. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we're doing. So people who've been emailing me saying, please record it. It's definitely being recorded. Please stream it. We will have a live stream. It's the stream that Burbeck University gives to its students. So it's got to be of a fairly good uh, quality. Um, so if you buy your ticket, that, that's what you get. So there's that. Um, the other project that is coming up uh, that we'll be releasing this week is on 
I particularly wanted to do something that tackled the explosion across the board in mental health issues that people are dealing with, particularly amongst adolescents and the effect that it's having on younger minds and on younger hearts. Um, there is a spike in um, suicides amongst teens um, at the moment that we really need to uh, get on top of, get our hands around um, and start dealing with. And a lot of it is going to be looking at the uh, insidious, uh, covert, ill effects of um, unboundaried, unbridled uh, smartphone and social media usage. And you might switch off at that point and go, oh God, here we go. It's another fucking Generation Xer going on about how social media is ruining the world. Actually, if you think about the amount of time that is spent just staring into a phone on its own, you know, if you imagine that people are dipping into their phone because they're nervous, they're socially awkward, they want to dissociate, they're addicted, um, you might find that you're adding up to six, seven, eight, nine hours a day of people actually staring into a screen whilst being immobile. And if I told you to stare at your palm seven or eight hours a day, you'd start to think that might have some effect on me. If you accumulate that over the course of a year, well, you do the mathematics on that one. It's a, it's a lot. Also, the, the fact is that for social media um, creates it creates unrealistic standards and it warps at boundaries that should not be warped. It warps coordinates that should not be warped and it disintegrates boundaries that should that should be there. So it's actually um, a destructuralizing thing. Not that I don't like it. Not that I don't see the benefit. I mean, I think YouTube is fantastic. I think Facebook has been fantastic to keep family and friends in touch. You otherwise wouldn't, but... Facebook may very well have had its day. And I really, really like Instagram. I really, really enjoy Instagram. Um, but I do, like, if you're old and you weren't raised with a smartphone and you weren't raised with social media, number one, you won't use it as much as kids do who are raised with it in their hands. You won't. We don't. We just don't. And the thing is, we don't take it seriously. Whereas I think these kids do. We do take it somewhat seriously though, and I do think there's a generational effect. I look at people 10 years younger than me and I'm like, they re they talk and act as though social media is real world. They talk and act as though likes, likes, follows, shares is a real economy. And I'm like, you know, you can't eat them. You can't eat a thousand likes. You can't use, <laughs> it doesn't do anything. So as you get younger, as we go along this timeline and as people are younger, I think the effects are worse on the young because there's less of an ability to, there's less of a, a strong filter and a boundary to go, well, that's bullshit, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. You don't live like that. You don't look like that. And you, I don't even know what you are jumping around like a gangster rapper. We all know that you're a plumber from Hull. Shut the fuck up, Dave. We can do that. Young ones can't because they look up to adults to show them what the adult world is. And when they're looking through social media, that's them looking, they always, the kids always have, we always have as an animal, we always have, we look to the older uh, creatures to show us how to live. You look at puppies, they look at big dogs and they follow what they do and they follow them around and they copy them. Social media gives kids a way of looking up at what the adult world is. And as a representation that is um, 
supposedly um, author an authority and a guide and a means of modeling, it's not great. It's really not good. And I think what it has done is it has created a general malaise across the board of just feeling not good enough and feeling hopeless. To us, see, Generation X probably created social media. So to my age group, you know, you're big media moguls around my age that between 4, 35 and 45 we made it and it was i think it wasn't made with evil intent i think it was made for money uh, to make money and and you know social media really has always been about spectacle which has always been a kitten on a skateboard and derivations of which is quite why i quite like instagram because it's still got that innocence it's still got the innocence of youtube 2006 which was charlie bit my finger and you know, a dog that makes a bark that sounds like a cat meowing. Um, but it's not that anymore, is it? No, it is not. So it warps. So what I've done to explore all, all this and its effects on uh, minds, particularly young minds, is I'm working with Richard Willett. We're making a short documentary. I think it'll be about 45, 50 minutes long. Um, and we've, we've started and uh, we're going to release some of the first clips, teasers this week. So you'll be able to join a Facebook page. I'm paying for half of it. I'm going to fund half of it. And then I'm going to ask you guys to help me out with the other half of it. Um, so there'll be like a, a crowdfunding page. I tried Patreon once. I really didn't like it. Um, I'm going to go with Indiegogo, I think. And I'm going to, that's on my list of jobs to do tomorrow. I'll set that up. I mean, if people want to help fine if they don't I don't care I'm gonna pay for it I'll just pay for the whole thing um, it's gonna get made anyway because I want to make it and I want to get it out there um, and the idea is to make something that you know maybe adolescents would watch because it's not boring <laughs> that teachers are definitely gonna watch it and parents I think worried parents are definitely gonna watch it to sort of say well look here's the here's the problem that we face and this is what it can create this is how it can facilitate and accelerate things like cyberbullying. This is how it can destroy um, intimacy, how social media, which we think is connecting, it might be connecting for people of an age group, is actually quite isolating um, for a lot of people. And to look at who it benefits and the personality types that it benefits the most, not naming any here on the Spartan Life Coach channel, but social media does reward a certain personality style. And it does punish, or rather than punish, it just ignores another personality style. It's not, you know, if you've got a, a softer, more sensitive, more intellectually leaning child, if they're inhibited and introverted and INFJ, social media is not really going to reward them very much. Um, so that's what I want to get into. And that's, uh, it's called, I won't say what it's called. I'll just release the uh, the videos are going to be coming out tomorrow and Tuesday. Um, and so that'll be a thing to do. And uh, over the next two weeks, I'm actually going to start interviewing some um, late teens uh, who've had body image issues, body dysmorphia, anorexia, bulimia, drug addiction. I'm just going to be talking to them and relating that back to social media usage and the kind of pressure that they feel they're under. People, people are under a lot of pressure. People are under a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. 
Um, it's been a slow creep, it's a slow step, this thing that we thought was cute and funny has actually left people feeling really, really um, stressed out and uh, pressured. So, yeah, we're going to get into that. So, uh, that was my updates for you. Um, if anybody has any questions, now would be a good time to ask. On my iPad, I can see them, they come up very clearly. Whee. Um, if you have a question, please make it a single sentence and end it in a question mark. That's always helpful. The goal of a social media page is to brand a person and turn their personality into a product, a business. And boy, do horrible things happen. Whoops. Oh, it faded. Oh, I can bring it back. Oh, that's good. The horrible things happen when capital comes into the fold. Where am I? Am I still here? I feel terribly old. I don't know how to use the iPad. I've never used an iPad before. It's very exciting. Is it like um, when you first Skype with your, with your grandparents? <laughs> Is this thing on? Can you hear me? Uh, why work with teens and not younger kids? Well, my experience has predominantly been when I worked in the education system, it was with uh, uh, 16 and up. So I already have a, a skill set there. Um, and also that it, it takes away... I think they're the ones who have been worst hit, to be honest with you. I think if you're if you're trying to sort of shake off childhood and grow upward into adulthood, I think that's that's quite a traumatic age now. Um is sixteen. Uh so that they'd be the ones I'll be focusing on for this one. If we were gonna look at the effect of smartphone usage and that on younger younger, which I would like to do, I would want to get more people in to help me with that because I don't really know as much. We are going to, I hope, um, we have a, a list of people that we're going to try to uh, interview for the documentary who've spoken, they've done TED Talks around addiction, social media usage and the impact of, um, of excessive smartphone usage on the brain. So it could be really good. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm really, really hopeful for this. I'm really looking forward to doing it. It could be very, very cool. Um, easy link for tickets oh, to the Sam Batman thing. Can you put a link on this vid below? I can do. I mean, if you just go to spartanlifecoach.com, it's right there on the front page. It'll say seminar, narcissism seminar on the, on the, that's one of the tabs on the top menu in the front page. But yeah, I'll put a link here as well as soon as this is done. Narcissists love Facebook. I hate it. Too many nosy people wanting to be celebs. I, I want to put forward a theory a hypothesis that, that, that Facebook actually changed and I suspect it changed out of desperation. I think it started to lose people hand over fist and I think it was about four or five years ago. A lot of young people migrated off Facebook and they panicked and they said, oh, we're going to lose our stock value. What are we going to do? Because their stock value is directly related to eyes on screen and the amount of time that eyes are on screen. And that's what they would sell to advertisers is this is how many people are using it. This is how often they use it every day. And we've got to keep people online and we've got to keep people on the page. And I think that the algorithms, and I'm not the only person who's saying this, there are some proper people like professors and experts in social media. They change the algorithms. And, it's, and people have come out with work to Facebook and said this deliberately to try to keep people on the page. And what they did was they started trolling people or they made it so that you would see more troll posts and provocative posts 
And I want, this is not a conspiracy theory. I 1000% believe that they did this. Um, I've been working online since 2004. I've been working as my sole source of income being online since 2006. So I'm no, I'm no techno whiz. Really, Richard, we didn't know that. Um, but I'm no dummy when it comes to what people do on the internet. Um, and I'm really, really sure that they deliberately, Facebook deliberately started to appeal to a different personality type and they changed the way people were using Facebook. And it was deliberate. The evidence of that is what news is doing now. When you see news articles coming up, because we know that they also are desperate, trying not to lose their their foothold in a market. And it's just trolling. It's trolling. They put up titles that are either, and the left-right um, fallout that we're seeing now, this massive disintegrative political split where everybody's leaning even further left and everybody's leaning even further right. And the dialogue is becoming, well, it's not a dialogue anymore. It's just shrill shrieking at each other. A lot of that has been provoked by social media, by uh, Twitter, by Facebook, but also the major news outlets are doing it. They're all at it now. You'll see like little uh, headlines that are total provocations. Like the left is a bunch of vegan, uh, uh, gender fluid, you know, whatever, that's the headline to make somebody from the right just go, oh my God, the people on the left are destroying the world. And then it will be the people on the right of vicious totalitarian gun toting, Bible thumping lunatics, if you're in a country where that's what the right is. And I think that that provocation, which was done, I don't think it was, I don't think it's really malicious. I really don't think it's malicious. Um, but the in, the outcome is going to be malicious. I watched the film last night, not because of, I, I wanted to watch something about the Bader-Meinhof complex, and that isn't on Netflix. So they suggested something else to me. It was called Sarajevo. I was like, oh, a film about Sarajevo. I like Sarajevo. I'll watch that. It was a German film, and actually, it's a film about the start of World War One, and the use of words, and the use of propaganda, and the use of narratives to fulfill an intent. I don't want to be that guy who says we're on the verge of World War Three, but the chance of the terrain we're entering now ending up in broad violence um, is is high. It's high. Um, so, yeah, let me have a look at questions. I said, I said questions, and then I just started talking to myself. Thank you for streaming and recording the seminar. Will you up on your YouTube channel? No, the seminar will not be free. Um, the Divorcing the Narcissist seminar will be streamed through a secure link that comes from uh, Burbeck and only people who've paid for a ticket will get that secure link. The recording afterwards will only go to people who bought the tickets um, for that. Uh, but the dialogue that I do with Sam, clips of that will eventually be on YouTube. Do you think there is a user maturing period like TV advertisements that weren't trusted at first but grew anyway and there are rules? Uh, I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. I just have to stop watching the news. I can't handle it. I don't really watch it now because I don't really feel like it's news. I don't know how they rate the importance of events anymore. I was in Macedonia interviewing Sam Vaknin. So it's six weeks ago now. And I came downstairs in the hotel and on the TV, it says, massive storm hits Puerto Rico. 
3,000 dead. There's like a big red banner across the bottom of the screen and in white letters, 3,000 dead. And I went, oh, fucking hell. Then I came back to the UK and I was talking to people and I was like, do you hear about the storm? Puerto Rico was hit again. 3,000 people died. And everybody's going, no. And I looked on British news and I can't remember what it was. It was like, I don't know what it was. Somebody had had an affair or something. I was like, I don't, I don't get who chooses, who show me the man or woman who chooses what goes on the news. Who is that? Who's the man behind the curtain? Who's the one who says, that's not a news story. This is a news story. This is what the people need to know. Who's that? If you know, write in the comments. Is this seminar something that can be purchased at a later date? The recording of the seminar will be made available to buy, uh, I don't know, maybe like a month or two months after the seminar is finished, I think. After divorcing MPD, can you create a course for co-parenting with an MPD? There is, there is one for uh, communicating with a narcissist when you're co-parenting, which um, is on the site. Um, which is managing your communication with a narcissist. Luna Bambi uh, says, does helping others help you? Always, you should always seek to be of use. Always seek to be of service and to contribute to the tribe. Always. Do not just try and, you know, take and take and take for yourself. It makes you sad and useless. Unless you're sick. Unless you're a narcissist. I am from Sarajevo. I can't remember how to say goodnight. I'll say good afternoon. Dobadan. It's a beautiful city. One of my favourite cities. Very, 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 very warm city. But then, you know, I feel that way about a lot of the Balkans. I, I really like the Balkans. But uh, Sarajevo particularly, I have a love for. I'll try and watch that film if you're from Sarajevo. It's called Sarajevo and it was made by Germans. So like 80, 90% of it is in German. Um, and it's about, God, what were they called? There was a couple of gangs who were in this um, anti-Austro-Hungarian rule conspiracy and they were called Young Bosnia. The group was called Young Bosnia and also the Black Hand. And they were uh, Bosnian Serbs and um, they wanted uh, they wanted freedom or so the story was. I watched that film. It's it's, uh, it's slow in parts, actually. To be honest with you, it is quite slow, but it's it's good. It's a good film. We have terms like Orwellian, and more people like yourself have some standing. Yeah, Orwellian. We are entering into jo George Orwell's worst nightmares now. His worst, the most extreme parts of 1984. That you thought, well. This is a horrifying story. What a horrifying book. What a horrifying couple of films. But at least we know that nobody would ever do this. That we'd never end up there again. Because it was kind of like a pastiche of what happened in gulags and what would happen in concentration camps and what would happen during war with propaganda. It was a pastiche of all the things from all the horrors of World War One and Two in one. And you're like, well, we made those mistakes and we have learned from our history. It'll never happen again. Whew. Is it possible to be fully healed and still be watching narc videos? I don't know. I don't know what fully healed is. I don't think I've ever met a human being who's fully healed. Have you? What is that? What's fully healed? 
Harris says, you miss Sam, don't you, Richie? Oh, yeah. I chat to Sam quite a lot, though. We usually talk, text each other every every couple of days. We do talk quite a lot. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Sam and uh, hanging out with Sam. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun. I get a lot out of it. Ultimately, here we go. Julie's got an answer for me. Ultimately, the board of directors, oops, of... The board of directors of the corporation that owns the source chooses the news. Of course, it comes down to what will tickle the adrenals of the most people who will buy from the adverts. Oh, I love having the adrenals tickled. Come round here and tickle me adrenals, would you? Ooh! <laughs> will I get a chat with you at the event? It, it really depends on how many people are there. I obviously will try and um, chat to as many people as I can. Um, my main job because I'm the organiser, which is never good. It's never good. I remember one of my mates organising a, a cage fight in Liverpool and he had nine fights that night and then he fought in the last fight and he had the fucking piss beaten out of him. And I was like, I'm not surprised because by the time you've done like your posters, your ticketing, the marketing, got your fighters sorted, you're dealing with the fighters' camps, you've got to get everybody in the cage on time, blah, blah, blah. I just think by the end of the night... Really, he should have just sat down. Not even with a pint. Not even a drink. Just a cup of tea. He should have gone to bed and got in the cage with this young, buff Dutch fella who pinwheeled it. Oh, God, his head. I just remember seeing his head just go dunk, 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 dunk. So that'll be me. Um, because obviously when I do the seminars, I mean, I did the last time I was around the seminars in America, I got very sick afterwards. Very, very ill in a way that is like a, uh, a lifetime illness. And a lot of that was because I wasn't really properly prepared for what was gonna be thrown at me. So pe when people come to me, they throw very, very strong emotional energy in my direction because they think, some not, not all, but like some people in their heads to them, I'm not just a person with socks and a phone bill and you know, whose back hurts sometimes. I'm, so, I'm like something else. So they think I, they can just, I'm a sin eater and they can just dump stuff at me and it just gets absorbed in my magical unicorn chi field. And it doesn't, it goes into these adrenal glands and it goes into the central nervous system. And <laughs> so, you know, yes, I will chat to people on the day, but I can't sit and have somebody lock eyes with me for half an hour and go, and let me tell you the next thing that happened. And then he said this, and then this occurred, and then this happened. It'll be more like, thank you very much for coming. Let's, you know, shake hands, have a quick chat. If you want a selfie, I'll take a selfie with you all the live long day. Not a problem. Um, and then I will have to move on to the next person. Um, I am, you know, quite an energetically sensitive person. So, yeah, we'll chat. We'll definitely talk. But I can't like I get people saying, Oh, can I chat to you? And then they want to pull me into a corner for ten minutes. I can't I can't be doing that. Unfortunately I can't do that. But then, you know, there's Steve and Terry and Sam is there as well. So it'll be like, Hey, nice to meet you. Thank you very much for coming. Handshake, selfie, and that'll probably be about as much as I can manage. If we've got sixty people there and I do that for a minute for each person, that's an hour. Boom, gone. You are a celebrity in inverted commas, says Richard. Uh, no, I'm, I'm Richard. Boundaries, you're Nicky. I'm Richard. Listen, don't start with me. <laughs> I remember how people treated musicians when I worked in radio, grabbing and screaming. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't get people grabbing and screaming, um, but it can it can get very very intense, and um, you know, it's for the same reason I don't do coaching. That kind of stuff just kind of freaks me out. I I would begin to dissociate at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, so, pro, pro, possibly do, possibly do, possibly do dissociate a little bit. Um, so yes, is empath a technical term from this channel? This channel doesn't issue technical terms. This channel is not issuing the technical terms. I'm not an authority on anything. It's called the Spartan Life Coach, so I can go, I'm a life coach. I'm a dude sat in a vest chatting about Star Wars. So I'm not, somebody asked me, uh, I did an interview for BBC4 the other day, and he was like, so, as a self-proclaimed expert, I was like, I'll just stop you there. I never said the word expert. I'm not a fucking expert on anything, anything. I am a newcomer to the field of narcissism and a newcomer to of, of personality disorders. And all I've ever done is answered the questions that people have asked me about it. Um, the term empath is, I don't know, I think it's just out there, but it's not, if you mean technical term, if you mean it's like a psychological term, no, it's not. It's like a, a layman term. Can someone give me a TLDR of what that is before I get to watch a vid? You lazy fucker, just go and watch the vid. <laughs> oh, Google it. Empath. It different, means different things to different people. I mean, like some people would say if you've got like an excess of empathy, then you're an empath. If you're, some people would say it's almost like being a psychic because you're highly sensitive. I would say I, I used to use it and then I stopped using it because I attracted psychics uh, to the channel. Like one of them was like a major famous American psychic who ended up stalking me for about three years. And so I stopped saying it. And for the same reason, I don't talk spiritual stuff. I don't, I can't deal with. It's like, whoa. I think people who identify as empaths are, in my humble opinion, probably um, in the uh, CPTSR response called fawning from a traumatic experience in childhood and they probably are hypersensitive and they probably can read people and read more than others can in people but that's because they were beaten up as kids by angry parents um and they they were trained into hypervigilance to watch the body language and the tone and the meta communication of the adults to know where danger was and then they grow up as um you know uh, the psychic or highly highly empathic and highly empathic usually goes with an excess of compassion and a codependent uh, style for attaching with people which is which is really not healthy huh oh i think we've gone down the empath route because of me saying that i get sick when i do coaching with people um yeah i mean it it could be it could also be somewhat self-inflicted you know i i am um, I'm a proud and competitive person as well. Um, yeah, I can be I can be nice and I can be empathic, but I'm 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 quite savage in other areas of my life. I'm really fucking single-minded, really really hyper competitive. And um, one of the things that I wanted to be good at was coaching, and uh, so I decided that one way of doing that was to read people quickly. And a, a technique for reading people quickly that I don't recommend anybody do. 
unless you know unless you're trained and you and you know exactly what you're doing because you could just have a delusional self-masturbatory fantasy is to try to listen to what the client is saying and to experience what their experience was subjectively through the modality of a child and the modality of a child is highly neuroplastic and highly vulnerable with no boundaries so then you are in your mind trying to access the emotional state of a highly vulnerable unboundaried helpless impotent non-potent child experiencing what the client is telling you that you're experiencing and if you have a good imagination which i do which is one of the it's why i'm highly susceptible to um hypnosis and why nlp works well for me um then the end result of that is that you can you can not feel so good after you've done coaching work it can make you feel a bit sick a little bit drained doesn't it worry you that narcs have a demons seriously dangerous to be around listen i don't want to be a grammar nazi but if it's demons <laughs> it's not a demons which would be singular uh, doesn't it worry me that narcissists have demons uh, i'm not i'm not sure uh, exactly which modality you're using the word demon from i don't know what from from what belief system are you talking about um, but no i'm not worried about uh, about demons i'm not worried about demons i'm not worried about narcissists possessing demons and having demons around me well because narcissists to me and don't ask me to coach the narcissist in your life because i will say no uh, narcissists to me are just uh, children they're just children they're just hurt children um we were you know that's their defensive traumatic response to a hostile environment was to be lost in their dreamland lost in a in a story for forevermore it's it's tragic so no i'm not um i'm not frightened of uh catching narcissism i'm not frightened of demons attacking me when i'm around narcissists i don't see narcissists as the ultimate embodiment of of evil in and of itself and they're traumatized children so um, no i'm not not worried about uh, about demons next live stream how to bind the narcissist to a creepy doll and make a banging guacamole a guacamole the first video that i make that maxes out at one million views that'll be that one bind the narcissist to a creepy doll and make a banging guacamole all right guys um oh, oh there's another question okay i'll answer this last question and then we'll we'll wrap this up what are some good tools to help you when you're further ahead on your recovery but have some tough moments and you start to see old patterns beginning to emerge it's a bit of a vague question mate i like your i like your name though trap a skunk trap a skunk in it listen fam um what are some good tools a screwdriver and a hammer to help you when you're further ahead on your recovery but have some tough moments and you start to see old patterns beginning to emerge i don't know mate um tools uh like it's a vague question so let me give you some vague answers state management mindfulness emotional literacy you know one of the things that's really 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 helping me at the moment is critical thinking critical thinking develop that philosophy and get really really curious about your own thoughts it's fucking wonderful it's so good it's so so good 
um, and a, a little clue on that one is look for when you externalize your locus of control. Everybody watching this, uh, most people watching this, people who tune into me a lot, codependency is an issue. The fawn response is a big issue. Um, and that is all rooted around an external locus of control. So look where you externalize your locus of control and look for the opportunities to internalize it. That's heavy. That's really good. It's really, really good. Um, I don't know that I've really helped other people much in the last few months by using that, but it certainly helped me. So if you want to help the me that is you and you want me to help the me that is you, then you, me, that. Yeah, you, me, that. Is it possible to become a narcissist due to trauma in late teens? I've heard people suggest that. Um, I think the trauma needs to be very, very strong. Um, that's my way of wheedling out of just saying no to you. I, I, If we're talking belief and you want an academic answer and you want to say, you know, because I have an academic interest um, in personality disorders now. I didn't. When I took a psychology degree, I didn't give a shit. I was offered to do a course. I really liked the lecturer who, who taught personality disorders. He was weird. Oh, he was weird. And I really liked him. And I just said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't believe in it. Because I was a Buddhist, because I was postmodern and I was in systems thinking and I'm like, I don't believe this personality disorder stuff. Um, and uh, so as an academic, me, my ego, my intellectual vanity, my pride, my experience, my leanings, no, it's uh, my, my pride, my ego, my leanings, my story is uh, the Freudian, the Freudian uh, insights. Freud was a genius. Freud was a, was, a, was a horrible man. I wouldn't let anybody I cared about be treated by him at all. But he was a genius when it came to defining the problem. And it's the it's the formative years that count. And um, I would say if the trauma did not occur before the age of five, it will not be full-formed narcissistic personality disorder. I doubt it. If serious long-term trauma occurred between five and 12, and then it continued into teens, you know, on a case by case basis, I would I would review that and I would say, well, maybe. But to look, am I? I'm still learning. I'm still in flux. I'm still fluid. Nothing is set in stone. Um, I like the the idea that there's no such thing as as NPD. That there's no. It's not a personality disorder. It's a defensive response. That it's actually just a manifestation of CPTSD. Those of you read the Pete Walker book, it's defined in the Pete Walker book. It's it's the when you have a, a primary and a secondary traumatic response and you have primary fight, secondary fawn, it's a breeding ground for narcissistic personality disorder as a defense. So, you know, uh, maybe. And then what What would I say if in three years time you went, look, it's been damn near proven that you can develop MPD in late teens. I would just shrug and go, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's science. That's how science works. You thought it was that way and then new data came forward and you don't get to think that way anymore. Well, there you go. So my experience and my, my leanings are, are towards uh, childhood trauma. Um, but I'm open to exploring the possibility that over the last five years that I've, I've 
pushed too hard on on childhood trauma and and maybe maybe i've said that things are based in childhood trauma that that aren't that are i think there's cultural trauma i think that we're going into a state of cultural trauma right now um that uh maybe just as bad as childhood trauma the reason i would say okay so we started so let me wrap this and then i'll wrap the whole session the reason why it must be childhood is because of the boundary formation. This is my boundary. This is my circle. I nearly said coikle. I nearly said, I, I can say coikle. This is my coikle. This is my circle. Nobody will, nobody will. Like three people will get that reference. And it is yod. One person gets that reference. And if it is boundaries and unbroken, it's this yod. It better be odd now, I fucking said it. Um, then, alles ist gut. But if it is broken by trauma, then it's not. Now, when you are a toddler, before a toddler, as you're a toddler, as you say, you know, two, three, four, this circle doesn't, doesn't exist before that. So everything is me and I am everything. Oh, how's then? Yeah. Yeah. But not. <laughs> So you don't know the difference. If mum and dad are fighting, then parts of myself, parts of my reality are tearing themselves apart. That's why it's enormously stressful to be raised in a confrontational, high conflict environment and boundary breaking. I keep saying that it's boundary breaking. Why? Because if you're very young, the boundary hasn't formed. By late teens, your boundaries are formed. So massive trauma still sucks. It sucks. And it will create PTSD and it will create uh, CPTSR and it can create depression, anxiety, you name it. But narcissistic personality disorder, and I think it's fairly, if we accept this personality disorder, is quite unique, needs to be formed, and this will piss people off me saying this, in the phase that Freudians, not Freud, Freud didn't say this, it was implied, Freudians who came after him said this, the phase called healthy narcissism. So there's no such thing as healthy narcissism. Sorry, you don't get to say that. Narcissism as a term is owned by Freud because he was the person who said that this is narcissism. And the, the Freudian concept of healthy narcissism is that when you are a child with no boundaries, before the age of three and four, you should think you're the center of the universe. You should. Or not you should there's no morality there there's no should or shouldn't it's completely amoral of course you're going to demand that your needs are met you're going to scream and kick and you're going to provoke your mother and you're going to whinge until your dad hands you the toy back and you're going to spit that food out no i don't want that vile peasant bring me the apple one yes i like the apple one it's delicious that fun age where kids are they're supposed to be like that that's healthy narcissism. It's when you've grown up into an adult and you're still kicking people and saying, hand me that toy. It's my toy. I don't care. Give it to me or else. Don't give me that one. Give me the apple one. That's a problem. So a late teen has boundaries. That's why I'm stiff. I'm like, no, it's it's childhood. It's it's developmental. It's formative. It's, it's when Freud said you should be a healthy narcissist. That's when the neuroplasticity is open for a full force break with reality. But not everybody holds that view of narcissistic personality disorder. For me, I'm like, look, if the person hasn't had 
a total break with reality and they're not failing the reality test. I don't want to talk about it as narcissistic personality disorder because that's a narcissistic trait and then you're in a different planet. Only full-blown NPD that comes from childhood and a full break with reality goes on planet narcissism, planet narco. Everybody else is on Earth and you can be highly narcissistic but you're not on planet narco. That is a different world. That is a different, different world. It's an alien land, you know, inhabited by some fucking artificial intelligence hive mind. So that's why I say no. So that's why I'm stiff about that. But maybe I'll change my mind. I would probably be more likely to say that we should, like narcissistic personality disorder isn't really a personality disorder first before I would give that up because you'd have to make me rethink the formation of the brain, the central nervous system, and my understanding of, uh, of development, of developmental psychology and its roots in evolutionary psychology and, and in biology itself. You're a little survival mechanism before the age of three or four that's just trying to shove calories in its mouth and to stay away from loud noises and from falling over. That's it. So that's when the traumatic break really needs to be laid down. But could be wrong. Could be wrong. So um, yeah, the, the, the thought that I have is that uh, post uh, late teens, the formation of narcissistic personality disorder could come from another stress. Here's, here's my counter argument to the one I made myself, is that what if I stressed you out so much that you regressed into an infantile state? Ooh, like under conditions of imprisonment, torture um, that goes on for months and years and we give you psychedelics and we hang you upside down by your ankles and we make you wear headphones saying weird things to you what about then okay maybe maybe but then you've got to show me that the client you you've got to show me this is this is like psychiatric language you must show me first the um the, I would need to sort of see that the clients had been regressed into an infantile state. So you break the, the, the late teen that you're talking about. Let's say she was, uh, you think she might have developed narcissism from trauma in, when she was 18. I would need to know that, it, or I would be looking to see that at age 18, she lived in a set of circumstances that was so traumatic for so long that she regressed back to a four-year-old, which is possible. It's possible. And the boundary break and the neuroplasticity of a four-year-old you would need to be in a state, really. I mean, I can only, I can only think I, either ghastly, horrifying conditions, which are hell on earth that the mind just shatters in the face of, or you're in some like mind control cult where, where a lot of psychedelics are being used and people are having religious experiences that are stripping away ego layers, and maybe, maybe like that. Maybe like that, but um, unlikely, unlikely. So, okay, that was me doing a 15 minute YouTube video. 50, not 15. See, the, the mind doesn't process language very well and I need to go. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found it useful. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant to be a bit more succinct than that. The key points, the Sam Batten Seminar is being recorded. 
It will also be live streamed. If you bought a ticket thinking that it was a live webinar, it's fine. I'm going to send you a link that Burbeck is going to supply me to see it live streamed within 20, 48, give me 72 hours. It'll be faster than that because Richard's dealing with it and he's super fast. I will have a recording for you. So then you'll have a professional live recording. Steve and Terry are going to be there as well. That's really cool. If you were thinking about coming for the live, but you weren't sure, just know that uh, Coach Steve and Coach Terry are going to be there as well, which I'm really looking forward to having them there too, because it's always a good laugh. Um, and yeah, the other stuff can wait to another video. Thank you very much for your time and your attention, guys. Oh, if you're not following me on Instagram, I do videos like this a lot on Instagram every two to three days. I can't remember my Instagram name. It's probably something like Richard Grant on Instagram. If you pop that into Goggle, then Goggle will spit it back out at you. Um, but if you haven't started following me there yet, then you probably should because I chat to people on there. And we do, um, I do like mini sessions with people where we'll go back and forth for like 15, 20 minutes and actually do a bit of coaching work. Um, I don't mind doing that for a short burst of time. That doesn't, that doesn't affect me. I don't get any glandular issues off that at all. So it's fine. So if you're not following me, uh, please do give me a follow on Instagram. All right, guys, thank you very much. And uh, I'll be back in touch again tomorrow with the first clip for the new documentary that's coming out. Cheers. Make some go away. So still here. I'm pushing to X. Go away. <laughs> yes, I want to.